This can be played at high volume. Live and local. This is the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It's Saturday, and you know what that means. Finally time for the world-famous CD to step to the mic for two straight hours of no-holds-barred sports talk. It's better than Desperate Housewives. Are you ready? You better get ready. Yeah! Because Under the Dome with CD starts right now. Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's do it. Do it. And welcome, everyone. Hour number two of two underway here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Appreciate you listening in. And if you want to call in, we got some time before we get our guy, Ross Jackson, on at 1030. So give us a call back. At 337-706-0111. Absolutely loving life right now. Because I got a guy, Daryl, on the ones and twos, the threes and fours. The energy is flowing through the game studio. So always appreciate him. Mind you, I'm also a little nervous because obviously you had the Cajuns, the Tigers, and the Astros all playing. And a lot of these are pivotal matchups. Well, we're going to talk about that and a whole heck of a lot more in this hour. More importantly... We need to get down to what's going on out in Vegas and how much money you could wind up winning if you listen to me or you fade me. The world-famous CD always has his eyes on the lines out in Las Vegas. Hit me. 20. Hit me. 21. Hit me. 22. Here's his five favorite bets for the weekend. Will he make you rich beyond your wildest dreams? Or will you be cursing him out after he goes 0 for 5? Let's find out on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. So first off, let's go ahead and go with what happened last weekend, and then we'll get to a little story time with the world-famous CD. So last weekend, we wound up having five picks to click. Wound up going with Texas Moneyline. They wound up winning that one outright 24-21 against Iowa State. Should have won that by more, but, you know, things happen. Tennessee plus nine. I'm really kicking my own butt. I didn't pick Tennessee straight up on another little side bet because I probably would have made a decent amount of money on that by itself. James Madison minus 460. That one did not hit, and I felt bad about that one. 45-38. Was out, out, out last weekend. I wound up seeing that one. I was like, oof, woof, when I saw that score pop up. New York Giants Sunday, Sunday afternoon, they won 34-20, which I expected, to be honest with you, against the Baltimore Ravens. The Bucks lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers and lost to Kenny Bleep and Pickett before he went out with a concussion. Absolutely insane, to say the very least. But now it's time. You know, we didn't win last weekend, but I think we will redeem ourselves this weekend because that's how we roll here. Because I've got not one, but two parlays for you here on a Saturday morning. And we're going to go ahead and start off with the story time. So last night, I'm feeling myself because obviously it was like the first real week I was not here for high school football. So on a whim, decided to make our way over to a local casino. Made our way over to the sports book, hung around for a little bit, saw some of the lines, got an idea of some things. And I said, you know what? 
Let's go ahead and throw down nice 20, a couple of $5 parlays, a couple of the $5 bets, like the Pelicans winning the Southwest Division. I had one for Hinden Hooker to win the Heisman Trophy. So I got some future bets lying around that I might be cashing down the road. But these picks to click right here, these two parlays, one five-leg, one four-leg, that could net you over $128. Seriously. So take my advice and run with it, folks. This is from last night's picks to click when I went to a local sports book here in the area. Starting off, Texas money line against Oklahoma State. Yes, I'm going Texas again, but there's a reason why I'm doing it. I saw this pop up last night or yesterday afternoon on my Twitter feed. And just the fact this is an actual thing blew me away and further proves why analytics are the single greatest thing to come to sports betting. Because somebody has linked up Texas football and Taylor Swift. Now, I'm sure you're wondering, how the hell do those two things match up? Well, I'll tell you why. I'll, I'll explain to you real quick. Texas is 8-1 and one following Taylor Swift album drops dating back to 2006. 8-1. and one. The only loss was to Baylor in 2010. So trust me, there's a lot to be said about those kind of odds and those kind of analytics. And Oklahoma State, not necessarily good, as good of a team this year. I saw them as six and a half point favorites yesterday, but I wound up just going straight up on the money line. Because six and a, like, I am not a huge fan of like, against the spread odds, especially if it's six and a half. I feel like it could be a one possession win. If, I'd say a seven point win. I think that's kind of where I lean on that one. But I do like double-digit spreads. That's what we're going to go to next. So I'm going to go Clemson 14.5 against Syracuse. They're 14.5-point favorites. That's minus 104. I think that's going to be a decent hit. That's going to be your 11 o'clock kickoff. Then we get to Alabama night game against Mississippi State, a 24th-ranked Bulldog program at that. I got to run with the Crimson Tide at minus 21. They are angry. Nick Saban's pissed. He wants to open up a can of whoop ass on anybody. And he's going to stop a mud hole and walk and dry, baby, on that one. Then we go to my two NFL picks to click. I got to go with the New York Jets over the Denver Broncos. Broncos country is ready to hide with Russell Wilson. That team absolutely... And it's more the fact of Nathaniel Hackett, if we're being quite honest. Nate Hackett needs to be hacked off of that team. He is the worst head coach I've seen in football. Absolutely deficient in offensive effort. I feel like this team, and again, I am a person who is a Russell Wilson fantasy football owner. And I hate the fact that I've had nothing but bad luck all the way around with my other quarterbacks. Don't believe me? Let me run through these names right here. And let me tell you, I have started off the season with Trey Lance. <laughs> Done after week two. Then Tua Tagovailoa <laughs> gets concussed twice in one week. Boom. Teddy Two Gloves never started him, was decent, but always went with 
Russell Wilson, because we all know Broncos country, let's ride, let Russ cook. They did not let Russ cook at all. Russ is honestly getting cooked over in the Mile High City. So I can't go with the Denver Broncos on that end. I'll go with the New York football Jets and Zach Wilson, the Cougar Hunter, if there ever was one. Number five on the five picks to click. Kansas City Chiefs at minus 134 against the San Francisco 49ers. I am probably the most nervous about this one, but I got to give them a puncher's chance in this contest. Kansas City Chiefs money line at minus 134 feels like a good pick to click. And if that all hits, your boy nets $93.50. So trust me, we'll be enjoying ourselves if both these do indeed hit this afternoon. But I said, you know what? I'm already here. I'm putting down a little bit extra money. I'm having myself a good time. Want to plant a couple machines. Did pretty well. Enjoyed myself on a Friday night while football's going on. Definitely a little weird because, honestly, I'm so used to working here every Friday night. Been doing this for eight years. Been here for almost eight seasons. A little more of a relaxed role now. But, you know, it happens. Still, it's keeping tabs on it. Some great high school football games in the area, especially St. Thomas Moore beating Turlings and Southside taking down the Acadiana High wrecking Rams. So let's go ahead and get to the other parlay. Because I already mentioned two of the single bets that I placed that could wind up cashing. I'm still waiting on Justin Verlander to be named your Cy Young winner because that'll be $25 coming yours truly's way, which I'm not going to hate at all. So with that said, let's go ahead and start talking about it. With the four picks to click bonus style with a lot of local love. Because I I try and I keep advising you out there to not do this. I repeat, do not do this. Avoid, avoid, avoid. But if you feel confident, if you feel froggy, you need to jump on these picks to click. So we're going to start off with the Louisiana Raging Cages. They're taking on Arkansas State. Six and a half point favorites heading into the ballgame on Saturday morning. I think that the Cajuns do win. I'm going with the money line here at minus 265 over Arkansas State. I think the Cajuns, the fact they put together a complete game last weekend, that gives me a lot more confidence than anything else that that team is going to wind up turning it around. And it's a huge opportunity to do so because you're playing that program. So So there's no doubt in my mind that the Cajuns get a win over Arkansas State. I think they look a lot better, a lot more conducive to winning. I think Ben Woolridge is proving himself to be a little bit better than Chandler Fields, which I'm not hating. If we see a one-quarterback system, this is going to be a crucial ball game. Now we flip it over to what's going on over at Tiger Stadium. LSU at Ole Miss. Excuse me. Ole Miss at LSU. Excuse me. I'm having that flip backwards in my head. But the over-under for that is 65 and a half. I said it earlier. I have a feeling this is going to be a game where you hammer down the over 65 and a half total points. I feel like 
Ole Miss is a team that loves to loves to throw the football around and get things done offensively. They are a high-scoring team. LSU is getting their offense together. Their offense is looking good. Tell me you wouldn't want to throw down 65 and a half over. That one I'm absolutely going to take and run with. Then I went a little more personal because I wanted to put it here, but I said, eh, I'm going to go ahead and just keep it simple, stupid, and throw down on some actual football on one ticket and the other one. It's going to be local teams and personal stuff as well. I got to go with the main event of UFC 280, which should be going on at around 3.30, according to this ticket. And that is Islam Makachev taking on Charles Oliveira for the UFC lightweight title. Oliveira is a damn good fighter. And they actually did get the weight for this in terms of actually cut weight. So, yeah, that's great. So it's going to be for the title, like the last time Oliveira was in the octagon. But Islam Makachev is 100% a much better fighter than Oliveira. I think this is absolutely going to be Makachev's fight to become champion. Like, I think he deserves to be. I mean, he's learned from one of the GOATs. So give me Islam Makachev over Charles Oliveira at minus 172. And then the last one, a little MLB action. And it's the ALCS Game 3. I love the Astros. You all know this. I have been an Astros fan from the second I came out the womb, I believe. Like, I've been a Cajuns fan forever. Like, I've been a Saints fan as far back as I can remember. But in terms of betting, you got to not play all the favorites. Because you will wind up probably losing a lot more money in terms of playing favorites, playing with your heart in some cases. Like I said, the Cajuns, Arkansas State, I feel confident. The Astros, you've got Christian Javier on the mound, yes. But you've also got another guy on the mound that knows you all too well. Yes, you play well at Yankee Stadium. All that stuff. Agreed. Agreed, agreed, agreed. But you mean to tell me you're not going to want to play some money on the New York Yankees winning game three with Garrett Cole on the mound? Because here's the thing. The Astros are a good team. But their hitting has been lacking the last few ball games. It's been more about the long ball. They haven't been able to manufacture runs. Because there's a difference between putting a team together and racking up like bombs, like we've seen with this team over the last several weeks. We are seeing a program, a franchise, that is missing that one crucial element. And it's game three. You know the Yankees fans, it's going to be the most hostile environment the Astros will be in for the first time in a long time. Being inside Yankee Stadium where there are no bigger haters of the Astros than the New York Yankees. Yes, the Dodgers, but in the sense of teams, they're going to be playing because Dave Roberts decides to overmanage. Are we surprised? But I can tell you right here, right now, that ball game tonight against the Yankees, I'm going to go with New York. As much as I hate the evil empire, because I'm a person who hates the Yankees unlike any other. But I did say 
on Twitter after the Yankees finally were able to get a game in and wrap up their ALDS series that the Astros were going to win in five. If there's any game that they win, this is the one. At the end of the day, the Yankees are the twos, and the Astros are the ones. And we out here talking about that and so much more. We're going to go ahead and take a quick time out. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about Astros game three, and also we'll get into some other stuff as well, including what the hell the Carolina Panthers with their sharp teeth and claws are doing because it feels like they are absolutely in the midst of a fire sale back after this right here on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros after all your problems during the week it's finally the weekend yeah baby that's what I've been waiting for. That's what it's all about. That means you're getting more under the dome with CD right now on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. And we were talking about the Astros to end the last segment. They got game three of the ALCS. Looking to go up three love this afternoon when they head up to the Bronx at New Yankee Stadium, which I think now we just call Yankee Stadium because only Yankee Stadium is old. But you can listen to all the action over on our sister station, News Talk 98.5, first pitch at 4.07. That means around about 3.37, you've got Astro Launch with Steve Sparks and Robert Ford on the call. Always a great listen, especially if you're wind up. Let's say you have on the LSU Ole Miss game on the big screen. Go ahead and put the Astros on News Talk 98.5, the talk of Acadiana, to be able to listen to it at your home or, or whatever you're doing. Be at a tailgate, however you're enjoying yourself on a Louisiana Saturday morning or afternoon. Heck, even a Louisiana Saturday night. Then you see the Coach O style. Louisiana Saturday night. All right, this is the last time we break out the Coach foe for a good while. Anyways, because my voice just ain't used to it. Been a while. But absolutely loving what's going on with the Astros as they are two games away from making it to the World Series for the second straight year and the fourth time in like in seven, eight years. Like that's crazy to think about, right? 2017 was the first time they made the World Series since like 2005, 2006. Then you missed the, you make the World Series again in 2019, 2021. So basically five times in the last five in like the last six years. Amazing. That's it's an understatement of how amazing this run has been for Astros fans, especially when you look back about a decade ago, you were putting up a hundred lost seasons with regularity. Credit to the front office for getting that done. And out of the fact that there's reports that, you know, Dusty Baker is going to be allowed to come back for another year, which is one amazing to think about that Dusty Baker, I mean, you know, he's not a spring chicken anymore. Definitely has not been a spring chicken for a good while, but he is reportedly still going to be, coaching the team heading into 2023 at 73 years old. 
He's still looking for that championship. Now, I wonder, if he wins the championship, does he just say, you know what? I've done all that there is I can do in this in this business, in this sport of baseball. He's look at what he's done. It's been impressive as a manager to lead a program like the San Francisco Giants to the World Series. Won a World Series as a player back in the 80s with the Doyers. But getting the team over to the World Series back in the early 2000s with Barry Bonds, being the definition of a player's manager, getting things done, and more importantly, kind of turning it around because he was a guy that wasn't necessarily the best as he got older, but now he's with the Astros. Now, again, that that ship kind of runs itself, but it's great to see. It's even better to see Justin Verlander finally have a really good postseason game because that's been the biggest knock on him for a while is – Regular season, absolutely fantastic. One of the best in the history of the game. But postseason, Verlander is a very different beast. It's a very different duck. I liked what I saw from JV in game one of the ALDS. He allowed that home run, yes, and trust me, it was there was a lot of consternation from yours truly at home after that home run. I'm like, oh, great, here we go again. It's Justin Verlander continually frustrating me with how he performs in the postseason. But after that, he got underneath a lot of pitches, and he looked phenomenal. There was one moment where you wound up letting Aaron Judge take one deep. But, of course, King Tuck got to just grab that thing without even really moving much. was right on the wall. That thing would have only been a home run in Yankee Stadium. That was a great moment. And it continues to make me think that the Astros can win it at five. I don't think they sweep. I honestly do not want them to sweep. And I'll tell you why. Because I have a feeling Padres Red is Padres Phillies. Why was I thinking Reds? Padres Phillies is going to be a series that goes seven. Phillies took game three last night. I think the Padres can take game four. And they're going to make that a very tough ball game. I'd much rather, I think Kevin Foote wouldn't mind either, is it be a five-game series rather than a four-game series. And I'll, I'll explain why. Even though I don't really need to explain much because we've seen it firsthand. Go look at what happened with the Astros and the ALDS. They had a week off. And they, for the most part, were outplayed by the Seattle Mariners. It could have easily been the other way around if not for Jordan Alvarez playing hero ball and absolutely mashing home runs. He's on a hitting slump. You've got Jose Altuve, one of the best pure hitters in the game. If not for the cheating scandal, would probably be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I would hope he would, but I wonder. You've got Jose Altuve. He's in a hitting slump of his life in the postseason. Jordan Alvarez's bat, it's it needs to be woken up. You need to have Joe Boo in the in the locker room waking this bat up, major league style. But seriously, I'm wondering if they would have a sweep and they're waiting from Sunday until Friday, because Friday's game one, folks. No matter what happens, Friday is game number one of the World Series. I don't know if I like their chances if they have four days off, if they have if they have a almost 
half week off. I'd much rather go five games. I know it's just a one-day difference, but personally, I would much rather have the opportunity to not have nearly as much of a reprieve from baseball because that's the big difference. It's all about playing hot. The Astros are one of the best teams in baseball this year, bar none. You've got one of the best like, pitching rotations in the game. Now, whether or not Lance McCullers can even pitch this series remains to be seen because I saw this last night, and I was blown away by it. When they were putting out the starts for game four and game five, all that stuff, they, his ALCS start was pushed back. And not due to anything, like, bad, but it was just more wacky. And I've never seen this before. He hurt his elbow on a champagne bottle. Lance McCullers, basically, while celebrating the ALDS sweep, he injured his elbow, hurt his elbow on a champagne bottle, and took a few extra days off. Thankfully, he threw a 35-pitch BP, no issue. So, he'll be starting game four, which is great. But everybody was thinking he was going to be game three. But again, it speaks to how good this Astros team is to where it sucks not having McCullers in game three. But yeah, Christian Javier, who has been a very serviceable pitcher, and I like what I've seen from him. All right, it's Under the Dome with CD. When we come back, we'll talk about what's going on with the New Orleans Saints with Ross Jackson, host of the Locked on Saints podcast and Saints Wire, part of the USA Today Network. We'll be back after this right here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette at 104.1 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana's sports station. here on Under the Dome with CD. Had some technical issues for a moment. More just trying to get our guy. We are, it's a radio word. We are efforting. I told him to call us back at 337-706-0111. That's Ross Jackson. Going to get him aboard the program. Recap. What the hell happened with that Saints game? Daryl, go ahead. Let's see. Is he calling back? Okay. Get him on the line. We'll talk with him in a moment. But before we do that, let me just go ahead and tell you about something cool going on after we get off the air. And that is RP3 going to be out at Heritage Housing from 11 till 1. You can join the game, 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles at 3350 North Frontage Road out in Jennings. So make sure you swing by and sign up to spin the prize wheel in get a chance to score a pair of McNeese football tickets and so much more. So make sure you go out today from 11 to one and swing by heritage housing in Jennings to see RP three and spin the wheel and make the deal. Like it's Halloween havoc. All right. Now we got our guy aboard, you know, things happen, a little technical difficulties, but we got it through 
And that's our guy, Ross Jackson, host of the Locked on Saints podcast and also contributor for the Saints Wire, part of the USA Today Network. Ross, how you doing, brother? Hey, brother, doing great, doing great. Glad to uh, be on with you, man. Appreciate your patience. All right, first off, what the hell happened in that game line, like Thursday night? You have Andy yeah, Dalton that's, that's throw the six touchdowns. we've all been asking this week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he throws six touchdowns, but two of them to the other team. But, like, what the heck happened in that contest? Yeah, that was a rough one. Um, I, I think that, you know, it's an interesting one to watch over and to rewatch. I, I was doing a rewatch this morning, and there's so much good in this game that, that is lost because of – well, the loss, but also just the way that this game was lost. Saints offense was actually moving the ball. Juwan Johnson had a pair of touchdowns. Taysom Hill scored a touchdown. You know, it, the, the Saints offense actually had moments where they were they were moving. But for me, the, the two pick six, well, actually the three interceptions, one of which in the back of the end zone, which just cannot happen. Another one that bounces off a receiver's hand, that cannot happen. And then another one to where, you know, either he didn't see the, the linebacker underneath that ended up picking it off and taking it back for six, or it was because of the hit, but either one, that can happen. And then you have, you know, a defense that ends up being down its top three corners by the time that you get into the game or, or by the time you get six snaps into the game, that's also giving up big plays in the run game. So there's just a lot, there's so much positive, but there's just so much negative in that game that it unfortunately completely overshadows where the Saints actually took some strides. Because if you can't get a notch in the win column, those strides don't matter. Exactly. And, you know, when you look at the the offensive side of the football, obviously you had Andy Dalton just have probably one of the worst games he's had in the black and gold uniform. But instead of going to Andy Dalton, I want to talk about one player in particular, and that's Rashid Shahid, who in the last two games has had massive plays, big touchdown plays. But then he just seemingly is on a milk cart in the entire rest of the game. What's the deal with that? I, I I'm wondering. I understand. You know, you have a lot of players who are out, so guys are getting opportunities. But if a guy like that is able to like catch 53 yard bombs on his second NFL reception, why aren't you giving him more of an opportunity? Yeah, and it, it's interesting because honestly, you you would figure he would have more opportunities with the players that they were down with, not having you know Deontay Hardy, with not having Michael Thomas or. Uh, Jarvis Landry in this one. I kind of understood it a little bit more in the the game against Cincinnati a couple uh, now you know a couple of games ago uh, because it was his first ever NFL action. He came in as an undrafted free agent. He you know didn't get much of training camp and OTAs and stuff like that. Dealing with an injury, coming back, all that. I, I kind of understood that one. But then to have, albeit a short week, but still a week to kind of get him a little bit more involved in the game plan, get him up to speed. I mean, he's a smart kid. He understands the playbook very clearly. And so it was a little surprising to me to see him go from nine snaps against Cincinnati to just 10 snaps on offense against Arizona, especially after, again, his second career touch in the NFL goes for his second career touchdown. Now, Shahid's a fantastic story. He had 18 family members in, in, in attendance to see, you know, that big touchdown and everything, but to just see him kind of disappear after that, particularly going into the second half when you needed to throw the ball effectively to get yourself back into the game because you put yourself in a two-touchdown hole before the second, before the uh, before halftime with the two pick sixes, uh, to see that happen is just massively surprising. And he should be in for more opportunities, but if the other wide receivers come back and are healthy, how often are those opportunities really going to come to him now moving forward? 
I, exactly. But at the same time, like, give them the opportunity. At least give them one pass a game. I guarantee you. For sure. You're gonna have, the percentages of you getting a touchdown are quite high right now. Yeah, yeah. Right now, you're at 100 percent conversion rate here. When yeah, exactly. Ball, I think so. I think anybody would love to have that kind of guy with that kind of consistency. Obviously, small sample size, but you brought up the fact a lot of guys are injured. You got Jarvis Landry, Michael Thomas. They were both MIA. Chris Olave came back from concussion protocol. He looked pretty good. But now like, we look at the next part of the question here is when do you expect Thomas and Landry to come back? Because obviously Thomas has been dealing with injuries the last couple of years. I can about imagine these things are starting to pile up for the young man. But, you know, Landry, I think I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back next week and maybe Michael Thomas waits another week. Yeah, I, I could see something like that happening. I, I can at least, you know, kind of not necessarily reporting anything here, but, you know, what makes sense to me is that at least they're back in practice this coming week. And then maybe you see Jarvis Landry this week and then maybe see Michael Thomas return the week after, as you suggested. Uh, but I, I do think that you see them back within the next couple of weeks. At least that seems to be the, the road that they're on. But, of course, look, there's there's setbacks. There are all these other things that can happen. So, you know, fingers crossed that that doesn't happen for these guys and they're able to get back out on the field. Uh, as quickly as possible, but you're looking at the two of them that you're trying to get back. You're trying to get, you know, Paulson Adebo back out on the field, Marshall Lattimore back out on the field. And then, of course, on top of all that, you're also trying to get Jameis Winston back out on the field. I mean, he's dressed out the last two games, but he's been the quote-unquote emergency third-string quarterback uh, because he's still been coming back with his injury. He continues to say that he's feeling a lot better, that he needed the time. He's disappointed that he's needed this much time. Uh, but, you know, that's still a, a factor there, too. So, I mean, you hope, if nothing else, to get Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, Marshawn Lattimore back within these next couple of weeks for sure. Talk right now with Ross Jackson, host of the Locked on Saints podcast and Cana- excuse me, and the Saints Wire, part of USA Today Network, old habits die hard, Ross. But <laughs> looking at the defense. It happens to me in the intro of my show all the time. I end up having to reshoot my intro because I start to say it, too, so don't even worry about uh, it. Cool, cool, cool. But, no, so what I'm saying is when you look at what this Saints team has done over the last you know few weeks, namely on the defensive side of the football, what kind of positives can you take away from this team? Because I think, obviously, you have the Saints special teams sometimes are letting you down, namely – you have your your punter who has been absolutely one of the best part of your team, Blake Gillikin, and on that Sunday game against the Bengals, he shanks one that winds up costing you the ball game because Jamar mm-hmm. Chase throws catches like a sixty yard touchdown. Which, mind you, as a Chase fantasy owner, I didn't mind, but I hated <laughs> as a Saints fan the conflicts of being a fantasy football player. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, a couple of things over on the defensive side that are, are maybe, you know, highlight-worthy, and, and, and we should, you know, I just want to be clear, too, like the, the Saints defense has a lot to work on right now. They're getting gashed in the run game. Um, they're getting torn up over the middle of the field. But there are a couple of things that I think do stand out, uh, first of which is Pete Werner. Pete Werner has been absolutely fantastic throughout this. He's a fantastic communicator. You can see him and Demario Davis on tape all the time communicating with one another getting set up pre and post or or getting set up uh, before the snap, communicating after the snap as the play develops, things like that. He's been absolutely fantastic. And he's a second round, second year guy that the Saints uh, invested in out of Ohio State. And he's proving to be very, very, very worth that investment. And remember, there was a whole bunch of conversation over the offseason about bringing back Quan Alexander and all this other stuff. And the Saints didn't go that route. They really heavily invested in Pete Warner over the course of the offseason. The guy saw, I think, six practices over the course of training camp. And he's looked phenomenal so far this season. So he's been a definite highlight and a bright spot for them. 
And then, of course, uh, this past game, uh, second-round rookie uh, cornerback Alante Taylor out of Tennessee got his first start. Not his first action, but his first start. And he looked really, really good. He allowed one catch on five targets for 17 yards, like a 43 pass rating, had a forced incompletion in there, too. I think you might be able to call them two forced incompletion. Um, in my book, I, I think you look at the offensive pass interference that he drew on uh, Rondale Moore, which ended up being declined because it was an incomplete pass anyway. But he ended two drives effectively at the beginning of the game, one on you know this explosive young rookie, or, or sorry, excuse me, explosive young receiver, and then another on a future Hall of Famer in, in DeAndre Hopkins. So the guy is just fearless out on the perimeter. And so if he stays healthy, Dennis Allen definitely, you know, has, has said it over and over again now a couple of times that if he stays healthy, he's got a big role uh, in this New Orleans Saints team. So I think those are really your two uh, big highlights outside of the consistency that you usually get from a DeMario Davis, of course. But those two guys right now, these young guys, which is a plus for the Saints, right, to have young talent on defense that's still standing out despite the defense struggling. So those are really the big highlights for me over on that side of the wall. Do you think the Saints will put Jameis Winston back in the quarterback position? Because it, it's like every week it starts to feel less and less likely that he'll get that opportunity to get back out on the field, be it due to injuries or you know you're wanting to kind of stick with the red rifle in Andy Dalton. I, I'm just wondering what your thought process is on that. Yeah, I think if the injury continues to be an issue, you kind of have to weigh what's of greater value to you on the field, an injured Jameis Winston or a healthy Andy Dalton which one will be better. But I'm going to be honest, I haven't seen enough performance-wise from Andy Dalton to say that he has stolen the job from an injured Jameis or from a healthy Jameis Winston, excuse me. Um, you know, I, I think three interceptions in this last game is something that we would be – in fact, we saw it actually with Jameis Winston earlier on in the season. He was crucified for it. He was playing on the – you know, he was out there on the field with the broken back – or not the, the broken back, but the back fractures and things like that that he was dealing with. And he was absolutely obliterated for it. And then, you know, we come off of the three-interception game for Andy Dalton here, and it's like, ah, well, who's really the best option? And so I don't know that either one of these guys has the real ability to separate themselves just yet in terms of what we've already seen this season. So I think the Saints owe it to themselves to get to gather more information in terms of how they want to roll ahead. But eventually, I mean, look, you're eight, you're about to be eight games into the season at this point. So you got to make a decision between either one. I don't think that I would blame quote unquote, the saints for making a decision that goes either way. Honestly, I can see positives in both. You get high upside with uh, Jameis. Usually you have a very steady floor with Andy Dalton. We just didn't see that last week. So it just depends upon what style of offense this new Orleans saints the New Orleans Saints want to roll ahead with. But I think that the the offense that they've constructed around Andy Dalton with Jameis Winston at the helm can be effective as long as you're taking what the defense is giving you. So I don't know which way they're going to go, if I'm being completely honest with you. If I had my choice and all things were were set and all things were equal and they were both healthy, I would go with Jameis Winston because at this point, when you're 2-5 and five in the season, you need the upside that could potentially win you a game. We haven't seen that from Andy Dalton. Exactly. It's just To a certain extent, it's just been – Andy Dalton, old Andy Dalton, rather than, you know, Bengals mid-2010s Andy Dalton that managed to get this team to playoffs but never win a, win a game in, the, in, his po- in his playoff career. Yeah. But and, and, and I will say, too, I will say, too, I, I think that there is something to the idea of maybe seeing Andy Dalton with all of the weapons on the field, right, depending upon how healthy – how quickly you can get a Michael Thomas and a, a Jarvis Landry healthy. But, but again, you're getting so late into the season that evaluation is a waste of time at this point, right? Like you can't waste time on evaluation. You kind of have to choose what you're going to move ahead with. So that could factor into the decision as well, is that we haven't really seen Andy Dalton with all the weapons. One more before I let you go, Ross, because 
obviously the conversation I've been having a lot here in the studio and around around the area all fair mm-hmm. is the status of Dennis Allen in his first year as head coach. A lot of people are already kind of wanting him out the door. Do you think the Saints actually fire him after the first year, or are they going to kind of look at everything as a whole right now? Because obviously the conversation I think people aren't wanting to have is the fact that a lot like 2021, the injury bug is inflicting this team unlike any other. Yeah, yeah, they're right now, uh, and, and I wouldn't be surprised. There's, there's a metric out there. It's called the bus metric. It's the banged-up score. And um, you look at that in terms of how injuries have impacted their expected points per play. You can see all those things. The Saints losing about a point per play because of the injuries that they have on the field, which is a pretty, you know, point per drive or whatever it is. It's pretty, you know, uh, big. And so when you look at where the Saints are there, I think that injuries, yeah, they happen to every team, but the frequency with which this team has dealt with injuries over the course of the past two years is just kind of unprecedented at this point. And so I do think that that's absolutely a factor, and I think that that's something that could potentially help to keep Dennis Allen around for another year. Uh, I think that the other factor, and this was something that I talked about when they didn't land Deshaun Watson, when they signed Jameis Winston and then brought in Andy Dalton in the offseason, is that Dennis Allen really hasn't, really isn't going into the season with, quote-unquote, his quarterback. That's usually a thing when it comes to your head coach, your first-year head coach, is who's their quarterback? Do they get to bring in their guy? That's one of the things that kind of kept, you know, Cliff Kingsbury as an example. He comes in, he inherits Jeff Rosen, uh, Josh Rosen. What does he do? moves on from him after you know just a year and brings in Kyler Murray, and now all of a sudden he has an extended lifetime because you get to see him with his quarterback. So I don't know if maybe that is something that could potentially factor in for him. Uh, I think that it's likely that the Saints will probably keep Dennis Allen moving forward. Um, they certainly won't move on from him in season. That doesn't really happen. I mean, Urban Meyer is really the last first-year head coach we've seen get let go in season, and that was, well, let's just call it extenuating circumstances. <laughs> Uh, and very different than Dennis Allen's situation. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Dennis Allen retained moving forward. Maybe you make some adjustments at coordinator. Maybe the co-defensive coordinator thing isn't working as well as they had hoped, so they go back to a single coordinator. You assume if Sean Payton gets a job somewhere, he might poach a guy like Ryan Nielsen anyway, and then you probably look at a change at offensive coordinator going into next year. So there's a couple of different ways the Saints can kind of make some adjustments without moving on from Dennis Allen, but... I, every any, everything should be in the books for this New Orleans Saints team, especially if they don't improve moving forward. Ross, thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you next week. Real pleasure, buddy. I appreciate you. I'll talk to you here soon. Take care. Stay safe. All right, that was Ross Jackson. Appreciate him coming on the program. Going to take a quick time out. When we come back, wrap up the show. One final take. We'll be back on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. Before we close up shop here on Under the Dome, CD has just one more take to fire off before he drops the mic. Is it going to be a take that lands on the Scoville scale? Or is it going to be as cold as the pizza in your fridge? Let's listen in and find out. Welcome back under the dome with CD wrapping up the show with a nice little bow. And that is about the Carolina Panthers. Those sharp teeth and claws have been kind of defanged and maybe those sharp teeth are nearly as sharp. Cause honestly that team is all in on one thing and one thing only that is blowing it up. 
Don't believe me? Just look at the moves they've made in the last week. The last seven days. You've gone from firing your head coach, Matt Rule, which was justified, kind of saying, hey, get out of our company. It was justified, everything that happened there. Then you have probably the most mind-blowing part of all this is the fact that you wound up getting rid of Robbie Anderson on Monday. The day after, wound up kind of self-ejecting him and then yeeting him out of the team, sending him over to Arizona. And now, on Thursday night football, we heard of a Friday news dump, but a Thursday night football dump Breaking this news while a game is going on is absolute massive huevos. It made me sit there and wonder if I was getting hoodwinked for a second, like somebody last night saying that Nick Saban was retiring after the season. I damn near thought I got hoodwinked, but I did not. This was 100% verified sources, and it got put out shortly thereafter that they wound up sending off Christian McCaffrey to the San Francisco 49ers. First off, Saints... Go trade for Elijah Mitchell. I'm telling you, it is the right way. This is the way. I think it's be the smart idea to say the very, very least. Again, purely my opinion there. But this franchise, all in on blowing up, and I'm not a huge fan of it. Yes, it's going to be great for the Saints because obviously they're going to be absolutely frothing in the mouth to beat the Panthers after the way they lost in week two. But I think this is a bad sign for a franchise that honestly has been on a massive collapse since 2015. Appreciate everybody for listening into the program. Be back with you next week from 9 to 11 right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the Houston Astros and LSU Tigers.